Welcome to I'm Fighting in Thailand, the best news and analysis covering the economics and infrastructure of Muay Thai. I'm Matt Lucas, journalist, commentator, and ex-Muay Thai fighter. Make stronger fighters, make stronger people. Today we will be talking to Jess Ying as part of our series on Nak Muay Ying. So a little bit of news first. If you'd like to reach me, you can always follow me on Instagram, MattLucasBKK, or email me at apuredmattlucas at gmail.com. Thanks, as always, to all the people that have supported me so far, sharing the podcast, leaving reviews. If you'd like to leave a review, that would be super helpful. You can do so on the iTunes store. Uh, thanks, as always, to Nakmoy Legends for their continued support of the show. They create some great Muay Thai apparel with portions of the proceeds going back to the legends they celebrate. All the superstars have been paid for their images as well. Check out their gear at www.nakmoylegends.com. Use On Fighting to get 15% off your order. Also, a plug for my book, I wrote a series of interconnected Muay Thai short stories. The fast-paced book was published back in 2014, but still remains a strong read. I'm hoping to do some more books in the future, and I'm currently working on an e-book project. You can pick up your copy of The Boxer Soliloquy on Amazon and get imprint or read it as an e-book. Thank you, as always, to Patrick Rivera for helping me get this show started as well. He recently came back for a, a very successful YDL event. The event was held out in Staten Island, so a lot of the East Coast came out to support. Over a hundred kids participated, so definitely showing a lot of growth in the sport on the East Coast. So hopefully we'll see some more YDL events and more development on that side of the country as well. In our pick a fight, we'll be talking about the upcoming slew of Nakmoy Ying bouts on Channel 8. Uh, we'll also specifically talk about the November 9th bout between Nong Butor Tepsutin versus Kalista Parts at 55 kilos. So, a little bit of an introduction for Jess. Jess is a Queens native who had her first trip to Thailand back in 2010. She trained at Sinbi and 13 Corns back when Pornsene was training at, with Sanchai at 13 Corns. When Jess came back to the States, she, her interest in fire really was sparked, really was blazing, and she became dedicated to fighting. She started training more regularly at Sitan Gym in Astora, Queens. She's had 20 fight, 25 fights in total with a significant amount of IFMA experience. She had she went to Malaysia back in 2014, Mexico in 2017, Cancun in 2018, and Buenos Aires the same year. She recently came out to Thailand where she had a bout at Ram 100 and is looking to have another bout before she returns home to America. So without further ado, the interview with Jess. Uh, 
Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I really appreciate you taking your time out, Jess. Um, how are you doing today? Doing really well. Thank you for having me. Um, it's been a great week, my first week in Bangkok so far. And you're out here for a month, correct? I am. And what is your plan over the, la- the next month? Uh, coming to Bangkok, um, I was able to secure um, a month trip over here and it was really to get immersed and like train Muay Thai every day and um, really get the right training in and focus and trying to get a few fights here. Mm-hmm. Um, I just need to continue the ring experience um, as much as possible so this is the place I can do that and back in the states I've been having a lot of trouble getting um, fights locally so why do you think that you've been having trouble finding fights locally? I think my weight class, mm-hmm. um, as well as experience. Um, and there's just not enough promotions, I feel like. Um, you know, especially my weight division is so limited. Um, it's a very small pool. And, um, yeah. yeah. So, are you... I know you've had multiple trips abroad to fight... What has that experience been like versus uh, fighting locally? Uh, fighting locally, uh, the shows, the promotions, um, we train like specifically for the actual promotions. There's um, ticket sales as well as uh, marketing yourself, um, training really hard. Um, there's a lot of buildup to it, um, and it's only a few times a year. The opportunity comes a few times a year, whereas um, fighting abroad, I don't have the pressure um, of performing in front of you know family and friends and everything. You just go for a specific job, and you know you can really just go there and um, go there a week beforehand and just like train, acclimate to the weather and everything. And um, you don't really know much about your opponents. Um, you just go there strictly to fight, and I think that's you know, what I love about it. Mm -hmm. And you were talking off air. You've actually been in quite a few USMF, IFMA events, uh, Malaysia in 2014, IFMA, uh, Mexico in 2017, Cancun 2018, and again, December in 2018 in Buenos Aires. How do you think the USMF and sort of IFMA experience has evolved for you? It evolved light years from 2014 in Langawi, Malaysia, all the way to the recent uh, 2018 Buenos Aires. Unfortunately, you know, I couldn't make it out to Bangkok here a few months ago for the world tournament. Um, But the development of the staff and the federation as a whole, I think, plays a big part in the development um, for the fighters as well as for the entire team um, in general. Um, the staff really puts in a lot of work um, handling everything from the beginning, the team selection all the way to um, in the tournament, towards the end of the tournament. There's a lot of logistics involved, um, a lot of federation meetings, um, as well as you know making sure everybody is prepared daily on weight, um, where to go, what to do, um, who's up next. And um, the coaches and the staff really plays a huge role in you know, just handling everything up, leading up to the tournament and how the fighters perform physically and mentally. Yeah, do you think that the increased involvement in the staff has impacted your 
performance and how has it? Oh, of course. Um, now we actually have a medical staff um, with us the last few tournaments um, led by Dr. Jason Park. Mm-hmm. And he brings a team at least um, of two physical therapists. So he helps us with any injuries or concerns before the fight as well as during and after um, even past the tournament, um, the last fight. And he actually follows up with a lot of the athletes when we go home, mm-hmm. um, following up with um, the injuries, performance, and therapy-wise. Um, also, um, coaches, um, the relationship and the dynamics between the coaches plays an important role. Um, for Argentina, when Rami Ibrahim came, um, I mean, he's a hype man like no yeah. other mm-hmm. for the team, and it plays such a big difference. Like every coach brings something to the table, mm-hmm. whether it's pad work or you know, like talks or anything like that. Um, but Rami, he's he's something else. He really <laughs> hypes everybody up, and um, even even the other countries, you know, cheers along with us. You know, um, he makes it funny. He makes it. Um, he makes it funny. He just makes it um, really, you know, motivating. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've been with Aziz for a long time, and I assume he's gone on a few of these trips. What has it been like working with him overseas? I've traveled with Aziz a few times, um, not just for tournaments, but also here to Bangkok a few years ago. Actually, not a few years ago. It's been seven years, actually. We came to Bangkok and we trained at Sison Pinong. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a fight here against a Turkish uh, woman in Pattaya. Um, and was that at Tepersit Stadium? Or w- do you remember where it was? I don't remember. You I don't just remember. woke up and we drove to uh, the stadium. Okay. No, no problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, it's great because, you know, I have him there. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, have the pad holders and the trainers from mm-hmm. the gym. So I get kind of the best of both worlds. Yeah. And then when I travel with Aziz, um, specifically, you know, t- two tournaments, like to Argentina, you know, where they're working together every day. Um, even back when we were fighting at local shows like the TBAs in yeah. Iowa, WKA, um, you know, he's like, you know, that, that mentor, that guidance, mm-hmm. you know, for us. Yeah, it's a very easy and smooth segue from the gym out in Queens mm-hmm. to WKAs or, you know, Buenos Aires mm-hmm. or wherever. The scenery is just a little different. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But the focus is always very on point. What do you think some of the other staff and team members have brought to the table for the team? Um, for example, Danny Brand and Brian Popejoy, um, they were one of the first coaches um, uh, who I met when I first uh, did my first tournament with the USMF in Mexico City. And they were just so great, just from the pad holding, um, the speeches, they're very calm, very like um, like motivating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was very comfortable with both of them right off the bat um, because I showed up. You know, I didn't know anybody only through social media. But, um, you know, as, like, team coach and leading the team, uh, yeah, they did. uh, They were great. Yeah. How do you feel your relationship with the sport has changed because of your involvement in these overseas fights, like the USMF and IFMA events? 
I think it grew my hunger even more and also it gave me insight to where Muay Thai is within the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, compared to the rest of the world in Asia or in countries from Europe. Um, and also the importance of the youth um, in our country for the sport of Muay Thai because um, the development needs to start when they're younger mm-hmm. and um, it plays such a big role um, in the level of performance when they become adults in the world tournaments and eventually into the Olympics. Yeah, so you made two different points there, one about the youth and then one about the level in the United States. What did sort of going international sort of make you recognize about the level in the United States? Uh, in the beginning, my first international experience in Malaysia, it was like the Hunger Games. Um, just, you know, just the level and the hunger and the love and the development, just everything overall. Um, everybody went there for this hungry purpose, right? Everybody had their team. Everybody, you know, every country was was already developed in a way where Mm -hmm. they, you know, they knew the point system. They knew how to fight at that specific tournament, Um, how they trained, uh, waking up every day, just like seeing everybody in sauna suits, just, you know, uh, making way or you get right back into a sauna suit after you win the fight Mm -hmm. to continue to the next one. Um, whereas before that, my experience was only local tournaments within the United States. Um, and at IFMAs, it's, you know, amateurs, pros, it's all, you know, everybody's the same. You just go and you fight. Um, and I just think, you know, there's a lot to be done. And I know a lot of people want that to happen and they're working to make that happen. Um, as far as the youth tournaments, um, the YDL has been a great project and, you know, um, great start um, to developing um, the youth in the United States. Um, has Sitan have had a YDL? I know there's one upcoming in Staten Island, but has Queens have had any events yet? No, I think the first this is going to be the first YDL in New York, New York. Mm. in Staten Island, ran by Vinny Scotto. Yeah. Um, so everybody from the tri-state or in the states around the East Coast will be driving to Staten Island for it. How far away is that from Queens? It's like 45, 45 minutes. minutes. Yeah. yeah. Do you have a lot of kids at the gym right now? I think we have a handful. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exciting. Yeah, they're so excited. Will you go to the fights? I'll be in Bangkok. Oh, well. Still. Maybe you can see some kids fight over here. Yeah, every day. <laughs> yeah, every day. Um, so just going back a little bit, um, because you've had so much international experience with IFMA, uh, what do you feel you've brought back uh, to Queens and Sitsan Gym? I think every time I finish a tournament abroad, I always come back with this crazy hunger to keep fighting and keep developing and improving myself, um, but also kind of trying to expose 
that knowledge to my teammates and to other people in the Muay Thai community um, about what, what else is out there, um, how the other countries are fighting, how the other countries are seeing and um, doing Muay Thai. Um, because there's just so much about the sport outside of us, like our bubble, mm-hmm. our U.S. bubble. Um, whereas, you know, I feel like sometimes uh, where you are, that's all you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, and there's always the internet, but you really have to experience it mm-hmm. um, for yourself. And, you know, just passing on that knowledge, just like drilling it. Like, you guys have to, you know, just you know the the point system and Mm -hmm. you know everything do you feel that um bringing the information and experience back really changes things because you you i mean there's sort of two things happening you're coming back and you're like i'm fired up i have to like really motivate people but also there's the sort of factor of people need to experience it themselves is it seems like there's two points yeah i'm always like you know, just go to Thailand, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, get a flight, go to, I know it's not as easy, um, to do, but even taking two weeks out and just like immersing yourself, um, seeing the sport for what it is. Um, and yeah, the hunger that I was talking about, I come back and I'm like hungry to continue training, working on everything that you know that I need to work on that's still so fresh in my head and um wanting to fight and then I continue to train 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 and then the opportunity to fight is so limited Mm -hmm. um so then I would go a few months not training hence uh or not fighting hence you know Mm -hmm. I just booked a flight here to Thailand to really train and just fight why do you think um, more people don't come out here from America I'm not I'm not sure mm-hmm. um, I know a lot of people do want to do it um, but just because you want to do it you just have to do it you can't just talk about it or want it you just have to make it happen mm-hmm. you know the days are long but the years are short right mm-hmm. um, so you've this is your second or third trip out here to Thailand it's the fourth or fifth. Fourth. Oh, yeah, so you've yeah, traveled yeah. quite a bit out here yeah. over your career. Yeah, but spaced out between um, many years yeah. because of work. How how have you managed to sort of take the time off and financially pay for it and everything? My savings. Mm-hmm. Um, it's always just been my savings. Um, I worked a corporate job for 11 years, and I would just train at night and on the weekends. Um, so I would save up like all my weeks of my vacation time and all my PTOs and my days off would be my weigh-in days, the local fight days, and then, you know, coming to um, Thailand during like the holiday break so I can just like um, just lump everything mm-hmm. together. And what do you feel like that was a worthwhile experience for you? And what do you think you got out of it like out of like sort of saving so for so long were there feelings of like oh you come out here and you're 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 satisfied or are you disappointed because oh maybe you didn't get a match up or something like I that I never regretted it mm-hmm. I never it, I never regretted any trip here to Thailand and um even though I've came here a few times um uh, 
a handful of times. Every time was just training, mm-hmm. training, fighting. Um, I didn't really do much else because it was just you know I, I have so much to learn, so I wanted to make every day count. Um, the only disappointing thing is when I would have to go home because mm-hmm. you know three weeks isn't enough, four weeks isn't enough, five weeks isn't enough. Um, it just it's just not enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never regretted for one bit. Mm-hmm. Because, um, oh, you know, ahead. you just take in whatever you can get mm-hmm. with the time you have. Uh, what is one of the best or sort of highlights of something you've gotten out of your experience out here? Highlights. Um, just the opportunity to fight. Um, just, you know at any day next week you're fighting okay i don't necessarily need to know who my opponent is um what they do well or anything like that just go and really it's to improve yourself as a fighter Mm -hmm. and put everything that you know and you've learned all together and just improve as a person Mm -hmm. um instead of all the build-up uh leading to like a big local show or anything like that it's really i think the most important thing for me is the ring experience to improve as a fighter um so you fought you know technically professionally out here what has what has that experience in general been like versus say fighting at home for you the difference yeah the difference i think just you just never know who you're going to fight here um, at what level. And I think the important thing for me, as I said before, is the ring experience. Um, but between, um, you know, the argument that some may have back home that once you go out to ta- Thailand here and you fight, um, it's considered professional. Professional mm-hmm. or not, outside of the U.S. in many countries or many parts of the world, it's all about experience. Mm-hmm. There's no pro, there's no amateur yeah. uh, label. Um, you're in the sport because you love it. You're in the sport and you fight because you want to develop yourself as a fighter in this art form. Um, so back home, amateur, out here, whatever you want to call it, it's all about experience. Yeah. Do you remember how much your purse sizes were out here or have been out here? I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been years. Mm-hmm. Um, I just remember, like, just taking the money. I just gave it to my trainers yeah. for their, you know, time to drive out to Pattaya or take them out to dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, you talked a little bit off air and in a previous uh, interview with Striking Corner about sort of influencing a couple of young women at the at your gym what has that experience been like for you so i thought it was really cute when i had found out that there was this little girl she was four at the time going into five years old um and her mom has trained at the gym recreationally and she would take some kids classes um but then she um really liked watching me fight or train on pads um and then when i would fight she would stream it with her ask her mom to stream it back home she'll make little um good luck signs and things like that and little videos um i thought it was really cute um and it wasn't until then that you know i really realized like it's cliche now but like representation does matter you know it does spark like an interest um or like a figure in her mind of seeing 
what is possible. You know, you have you know her taking a ballet class, and she has female figures to look up to, giving um, direction. And then she has, you know, the the Muay Thai or Jiu-Jitsu classes for kids, and you see just all female, all male figures um, leading the class with the little boys sparring to, you know, participate in YDL. Um, so with her seeing females actually fight training um getting her excited um that's that makes me happy you Mm know um i mean it's a crazy journey uh whether it goes anywhere or not um you know just sparking like interest and a passion um to just any little girl at the gym um yeah that was great and then now her little sister you know is now in the gym also training and um yeah i just never realized it would really spark um some kind of like passion you know they mm-hmm. they kind of just like see me as this like superstar which i <laughs> totally am not um i i invited you onto the podcast so you must be some sort of <laughs> superstar no. um and maybe you're just bashful no no, no. um you're a superstar in the making yeah <laughs> a couple more years maybe maybe when maybe. i'm like 40 um <laughs> but yeah and then now you know there are other females that first join muay thai and um they'll just look up like old youtube videos and back then when i had first started fighting there wasn't a lot of female fights like just um like on the local scene mm-hmm. you know so they do see you know some kind of inspiration and stuff but i always tell them i'm like you're stronger you guys have you know um just as much potential you mm-hmm. know especially now mm-hmm. um so you know i'm just glad that there are people that have been inspired by what i've done to even step foot in the gym to even take classes and be comfortable taking a muay thai class and do you feel like obviously these young girls are seeing you as an inspiration sort of role model but you sort of alluded to there not being any when you were coming up did you sort of how did you deal with that and then also did you sort of look at other women or other potential people as role models instead so when i had started muay thai um what i've known of female fighters in the Muay Thai world was on YouTube. Um, the Jermaine Derandami, uh, Julie Kitchen, Miriam Nakamoto, um, Jemima Betrian, mm-hmm. um, Kaylee Reese, they were all on YouTube. Um, and just for me seeing that, I thought that was so cool, so awesome, badass. Um, and, you know, that made me realize, like, you know, there is potential in this sport um what they're doing at such a high level is incredible and really breaking the barriers um especially in such a conservative um culture in thailand Mm -hmm. um one thing i had first noticed when i came to thailand the first time where i had to crawl under the ropes Mm -hmm. um to even hit pads and crawl out Mm. um, no matter how exhausted we were um one of my teammates she was like 150 tall jacked (laughs) she had to crawl under the ring right after me um so just seeing the foreign female fighters fight in Thailand and globally, internationally, on Muay Thai stage, um, that was really inspiring. Do you um, do you still see a lot of women go under the ropes for training? I know it still happens, like for fights. I 
feel like I haven't seen it as much in for training, training. No, in no, my last few visits, no. Yeah, I feel like that is sort of a cultural norm that's gone away, and obviously yeah. there's more female fighting's uh, fights. You saw Brooke. Saucing last night, right? And they had to go under the ropes, mm-hmm. um, even in such a you know like modern uh, show. Mm-hmm. Um, my, I remember one of my times being here, um, you know, crawling under the ropes and out doing pad work at the gym because one of the head trainer, the head trainer, he was very traditional. Mm-hmm. You know, he was very like, no, you have to go under the ropes. Fine. Um, but even going to Rajadamnun and watching um, the fights and he was cornering, but he, he was waiting for to go as the next fight. And his wife told me to sit closer, which wasn't even that close to the ring. Um, so I sat closer and then he just yelled at me in Thai to like <laughs> get back, uh-huh. you know, a few rows back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure about that. Like, I don't know either way because maybe he was being grumpy. Because I've definitely seen more women, like, in the corner now. There's uh, the owner of Jitmuang Non is a female. Uh, there's more female at, like, presence at Raja main... Demnon or at and Raja Demnon? Raja Demnon, for sure. Okay. She probably... I, I can't... You know, I should look up to see if she's been in a picture with Ratang in the stage or not. Interesting, yeah. Because she's like a very... Jim Moongnan is a huge gym with, of course, Ratang. And he fights regularly on the stadium mm. show. So I should yeah. I should look into yeah. that. And of course, just globally, internationally, I think it's... You know, there's just more um, uh, improvement or, mm-hmm. you know, evolution in, you know, females. Why, why do you think that is? I think just the political climate just globally now mm-hmm. um you mentioned a little bit about watching uh kaylee reese and miriam nakamoto and a few others on youtube how do you feel like the internet has influenced sort of the landscape of the sport and specifically women in the sport i think it's really helped tremendously in just not just promoting but the acknowledgement and the existence of female talent Mm-hmm. in the world in this sport um and it's really helped promote you know the respect um and the vision of you know, females um really breaking the barriers in muay thai and even just training um it's you know free advertisement marketing all mm-hmm. of that and um a lot of fighters um they they've become their own brand and mm-hmm. their own entity um within themselves like through social media and through the internet and that gives you know um them the opportunity of getting more um sponsors sponsorships and really you know pursuing this as much as they can so you are in the fashion career and that industry definitely has a lot of awareness about brands how do you feel like it has impacted your own muay thai career so for a long time i i'm a very private person um for a long time with instagram and facebook um it was always on private it was never public or anything like that and i would just do my thing training and fighting and really just saving up digging to my own savings to really pursue it um and 
you know, once I started doing more international tournaments, I realized, you know, I have to fundraise, not only selling t-shirts or, you know, things like that, um, really have to get exposure um, to be able to be comfortable, like affording these trips uh, and tournaments abroad. Um, so just making my uh, profile like public and just getting more exposure out there, getting sponsorships. Um, and it's really made a difference um, in not just like exposure for myself just inspiring other people and other women um but really um getting acknowledgement from other even small local brands um from um local you know food establishments or t-shirts or gear or anything like that um you know it's 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 a good um um cross promotion mm-hmm. um what are some of the things that you've learned in doing that process? I know, for instance, you work with um, a local grocery, food yeah, grocery service. A, yes. And I only know that actually from looking at your Instagram all the time. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I usually eat pretty healthy anyway, mm-hmm. which, I mean, I people say that I eat really healthy. I never really thought of it that way. Um but um, it's called Local Roots New York City, and it is a local establishment where they work with farmers within the tri-state area within two hours of New York City um, to support local farmers. And whatever the seasonal harvest is every week, they ship it to New York City and you can pick up your groceries at local bars, coffee shops, um, your workplace, anything like that. Um, so, um, And it really forces you to eat seasonally which helps with your immune system throughout um you know the seasons and stuff because we have such extreme weather and then also it forces you to like see other vegetables and foods and produce and meats and cheeses that are out there you know locally and even the honey like Mm. so you're not eating potatoes all year (laughs) (laughs) although in new york is always cold so it's a lot of potatoes in the winter that's good you um you do a good job with your social media especially all those the pictures of you cooking and stuff Mm -hmm. usually you do stories on the cooking right which i never realized that um i i didn't think people would be so interested in but other other friends but fighters who i only know through social media do reach out to me to ask me how to cook or roast certain things and i'm not a good cook at all i just kind (laughs) of just make things up Mm -hmm. um but even simple things like that like they do ask for a lot of you know advice on how to prepare it how to make it and things like that and my cousin is a nutritionist dietitian a dietitian so she helps me with um you know leading up to a fight if you have to cut a certain percentage of body weight um you don't just eat you know like any vegetables in your diet like what are bloating vegetables what are you know water-based vegetables things like that that's pretty interesting yeah what what are some of the things that you've learned just trial and error through sort of exposing yourself to the public and what have maybe been some of the good and bads about it i would say it's i take everything as a a pro Mm -hmm. um and I try to be very optimistic about it. In the beginning, I was very nervous to even make my profile very public, especially working at a very demanding like public corporate company. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then having this as like my personal life um but it's been very well received Mm -hmm. um and i think some cons is just you know random guys just you know messaging or making snarky comments um which i just ignore Mm -hmm. because i ignore the keyboard warriors yeah it's pretty easy to just delete them or ignore them yeah Mm. it's Um, funny yeah do you how do you feel like you know you've exposed yourself to the world but also there's sort of the media portrays fighters in certain ways what do you think that dynamic is like now and how is it changing I think in the beginning, um, locally, before the UFC, I think females in combat sports were very sexualized, um, pretty. Um, I've had um, promoters comment, uh, you know, well, you're, you're easy. It, it's easy to put you on a show because, you know... Um, you know you're good looking or you're cute or something well i don't train just as hard as my other uh male teammates to look cute you know um we all do the same thing at the gym um but i was also grateful the opportunity i didn't play the part of being cute um i just did what i need to do and fight um and then the ufc came you know into um the mass and um, now with one championships, I think they're completely changing the game. Um, very respectable, just an, an amazing promotion and really getting the sport out there um, with, you know, the live stream and the free stream, everything through their app. Um, I feel like they're portraying the female fighters with the same respect, acknowledgement and um, everything as you know just as much as the male fighters mm-hmm. um it doesn't have to be like the undercard it could be the main event co-main event anything like that um yeah i am really happy with what they're doing yeah um i know that stamp has been she was a co-main or main event for one of the fights i forget i know she's been pretty high on the card mm-hmm. along with angela lee maybe oh uh, yeah yeah uh angela lee was uh the main event last week mm-hmm. in tokyo yeah. They have so many events, it's sort of hard to follow, even yeah. though it's based out here in Asia. Yeah. And I've been to several of the events. It's like... It's they, incredible. Right? Yeah, the it's production. incredible. It's also interesting what they're doing in terms of representation, because they are, you know, they're picking, like, you know, Southeast Asian fighters and athletes mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. would probably not necessarily yeah yeah, would not be completely it's not the same market in the u.s Mm -hmm. and you know we look at that and it's sort of like these two markets emerging and sort of a little bit of conflict Mm -hmm. um you know obviously janet todd is a little bit of a guiding light of some sort for the u.s and they just had one championship in japan in the morning that broadcast in america did you were you in town were you in bangkok or america for that i had just arrived to bangkok Uh, mm. yeah but even even watching the lineups and following the lineups of one championships even when i'm in new york i have my alarm clock set at like four in the morning really five in the morning and i'm not a morning person at all and i'll just like 
watch it and stream it and go back to sleep. Like that's how much, you know, I think, you know, what they're doing, just the level and the quality of fights. Mm -hmm. I think they're doing an incredible job. Um, and yeah, it, it's really spreading, you know, the love of the sport around the globe because it's free, mm -hmm. right? Um, and then they have this like pride and marketing, like this pride behind it for each country. Mm -hmm. um, so everybody can relate um, no matter where you're from or what you do. And, you know, if you don't know about this sport or this promotion, um, once you kind of like see it, whatever you can, anybody can stream it and anybody can watch and then become a fan. Mm -hmm. And obviously they're taking a different business model and encouraging like all this free use all the time. What do you think of that? And, you know, they have a lot of investors behind them, mm -hmm. but a lot of people are like, oh, you know, they're not making money yet. What do you think will happen with that? And what do you think of that as a business model? They're doing it in a great positive way. They're getting the followers and the invest. it's an investment. And I think, you know, the time will come mm -hmm. um, full circle mm -hmm. and they're going to get what they put out mm -hmm. do you see that happening in the foreseeable future or like i mean i know you're not like a business, bus business <laughs> person or anything but it's always interesting to hear you know what people different people think because i know there's you know people in america you know i have friends or people in the business who are like oh one championship is not going to do well in America, they don't understand the market over here. Yeah, but it's America and the rest of the world. Yeah, it's totally different. Yeah. Like Maybe it, they don't even need America. It would yeah. be great, but America is just one one country. Yeah. And China and Asia is becoming much more of a global age player in the world market. Completely. Um, so you recently had an art show out in Queens. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh, yeah. I, I guess you saw through social media. Through social media yeah. that you're a, a superstar. <laughs> no. Um, you're a bashful superstar. It's part of your brand, evidently. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, there they were these um, four curators um, out in Queens, New York. And um, they decided to have an art show uh, featuring various artists of different mediums um, that work on anything related to martial arts, whether it's a photographer um, or a painter or a muralist or a tattoo artist, um, sculptor, anything that has to do with, you know, um, their work within the martial arts um, world whether sumo wrestling, boxing, you know, um, Bruce Lee paintings or anything like that. Um, so they had everything, for everyone from like sculptors, muralists, painters and everything. And they had reached out to me because they had heard or seen that I embroider Muay Thai shorts. So my background in design, I have a background in hand embroidery, but it's a very or archaic form mm -hmm. from when it started in like the 1800s um so when i had first started fighting the only time i was able to get muay thai shorts customized or done was if i came to thailand to get it done mm -hmm. 
and it's very very tedious and time consuming i don't think a lot of people know that about muay thai shorts um so i just started doing it on my own just putting you know front teammates or fighters um names on it gym names on it, or anything like that so they didn't have to like order it from thailand and wait for it to come in however many weeks um so i just started doing that as like a side hobby um so then um when they reached out to me um i said great you know i would love to participate and help and support your show so i took um um some existing like uh, some of my existing products um and really you know put together an upcycled theme with um you know everything um from just the global climate right now with like recycling and things mm-hmm. like that upcycling of like clothing in fashion and also what is upcycling Can upcycling you, uh, is basically recycling of clothing okay um, so i have a t-shirt i don't wear yeah. it anymore i give it to you yeah and, and then i'll make something out of it for you to wear based with um the raw materials of what you want to throw out Okay, so um, you'll cut it up and then, I don't know, make I'll it... I'll make you a fanny pack or I'll make you, you know, a pair mm. of shorts with mm. it or something like that. Um, because uh, Muay Thai shorts are made out of um, nylon, polyester, and man-made fibers. Um, so uh, with the, you know, uh, with the movement of recycling, like, like no more plastic bags or mm-hmm. plastic straws or anything like that... Um, what a lot of people don't know that man-made fibers um are not uh once they go into the landfill like with fast fast fashion and everything once they make it into the landfill they take just enough just as many years um um as like plastic Mm. um and it just goes into the landfill um with muay thai shorts with like the vibrant colors and all the fiber contents uh fibers um that gets dyed into these um bright colors and everything mm-hmm. the water usage that it takes to dye them um it goes it is it goes into the water and if the factories don't invest in a system to filter and clean that water to reuse it in the factory for the dyeing process it gets flushed into the water supply in these local villages Mm. in these local towns um with my experience you know working in like uh sri lanka and you know um more underserved communities and countries um in the fashion world in the industry um people don't know don't know that yeah um so i created this um theme of for the art show of of an upcycle theme mm-hmm. so gently used um muay thai shorts and stuff and i would just like refurbish them for people to buy or for them so you would like uh re-stitch them basically mm-hmm. and make them a little stronger mm-hmm. more durable yeah mm-hmm. and then you know customize it to however however like whatever they want on them with their names or you know um, a Queens New York theme and things like that. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And I definitely didn't know about the dyes and stuff. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It, Probably a lot of the Muay Thai short factory water dye is going into the clongs or 
whatever um, yeah definitely 100%. Community. and yeah even you know like around these like huge factories that make most of our clothes in certain parts of the world there's literally the water around the factories look like rivers mm-hmm. that's how much water there is mm-hmm. you know that it takes to you know like supply to even just a part of like the u.s mm. do you have any other upcoming art shows or projects coming up i don't mm-hmm. um no but i know that the curators are working f- on another show uh for the winter early oh. 2020 so that that's be exciting exciting interesting well definitely let me know about that um and then do you have any questions or things that you would have t- wanted to talk about that we haven't talked about yet not anything that comes to the top of my head but i would want to ask you um you being American and living in Thailand now and working in the fight scene here, um, what have you seen like from American fighters coming here? Um, like fighting locally and things like that. Um, do you see like a development, improvement or change? Um, I think so. Um, I think generally a lot of Americans uh, are very are in a bubble uh this is it's culturally and so it it sort of impacts the fighters as well uh americans don't generally travel overseas agree so it so they have like a very american uh mentality that's usually very entitled um it's pretty annoying and i'm not saying i'm i've been immune to it i've definitely been like a little bit of a shitbag american guy before (laughs) I, you know, being over here for a long time, I, I'm not as much of a shitbag, maybe a little, anymore. but <laughs> anymore, but, um, I definitely, that is definitely something that happens. I think most Americans are very scared to come over. Hesitant, right? Hesitant, hesitant to come over, especially long term, even though it will benefit them greatly. Yeah. Um, I do think that because of the development of the sport, with like the USMF and IFMA and more people are coming over and it's also a generational thing. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're still seeing like trail, there's still trailblazers. So, you know, Aziz, Rami, Michael Chase Corley, you know, even um, Mar- Marcy, you know, mm-hmm. they're, they're trailblazers. Yeah. And now there's like a little bit more of a second generation. Okay. You know, Brian Popejoy was a trailblazer for Janet Todd, who mm-hmm. is pushing things forward for Jackie. Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned the the girls at your gym, you know, mm-hmm. Aziz pushed things for you, and now you're pushing things for these younger women. Um, but also, you know, a lot of Americans are not staying very long-term, yeah. which, you know, you look at... Uh, you've come over for a short period of time and then you go back Mm -hmm. and that's really good but when you stay longer more things happen yes you know you look at angela and you see her development over yeah she's been here three years yeah and her develop seeing her from the time she had first stepped into the into the gym in new york till now just watching her hit pads the flow the pop the form the intensity but also the focus sub subconsciously 
she's incredible. It's incredible. Yeah. So, you know, and I also think that it really takes time to develop as a fighter, to develop the networks, Mm -hmm. you know, to develop a lot of other things. Usually, I think it basically takes four years. It's like going to college, Mm -hmm. basically. Mm -hmm. You come over, you stay for four years, you leave, okay, you can go do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I guess... Going back to your initial question, like, what am I seeing with Americans? I'm still seeing most Americans are scared or hesitant. I think it's scared. Um, uh, and But there's still, like, slowly more people coming over. Mm-hmm. I wish there were more. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think, yeah, it is uncomfortable to go somewhere across the globe uh, where you know you don't speak the language and everything like that but yet it's kind of like the first time you like join a muay thai gym or Mm -hmm. stepping into the ring for the first time you have to be comfortable with the uncomfortable and that's Mm -hmm. how you develop as a person and as a fighter and if you really love this sport and pursue want to pursue this sport or even think about doing it just do it just come what's two weeks four weeks five weeks of your life um to see if you really wanted to do it um instead of just you know staying in the states and you know you might not be learning the right forms mm-hmm. or the right ways of muay thai um you know that you think you are yeah i totally agree and i mean i don't want to pretend like i wasn't scared the first time i came over i remember sitting in the san francisco airport and being like oh my god like I've never gone outside of the country before. Oh, really? I, I don't have enough money. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, yeah. what am I doing? Yeah. You know, and there's parts of coming over here, especially long-term, that are very scary. Uh, you know, I've gotten staph infections, so I've gone to, been hospitalized by myself in a foreign mm-hmm. country, which yeah. is, it's scary. There's 100% mm-hmm. like legit reasons to be scared about it. Mm-hmm. But, You never know if you never try. Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, well, thank you so much, Jess, for coming on the show and uh, taking your time out to talk to me. Um, You are fighting this Wednesday down in Patia. Correct. So I'm very excited for that. Um, I will hopefully be at the fight, and then after I'll give an update on the fight and release the podcast hopefully on Thursday. Okay. Well, thank you for having me and meeting you in person. Yeah. We met before. We have? Yeah. No, we haven't. We, oh, we, yes, we, we have. <laughs> you came to New York to the gym. Yes. Um, th- like three years ago for like yeah. an hour. Yeah. for. And an I was in the to... middle of fight camp. Yeah. So. You took my picture. You were like Oh, yes. I said, excited. oh, you're humans of New York, but for Muay Thai yeah. fighters. So. Okay. Um, evidently you're famous and I'm not. I'm going to leave things there. (laughs) Thank you, Jess. That concludes our interview with Jess. I thought it was super informative. Some great insight into fighting at IFMA and just the life of a Nakamoy Ying out in America. So we'll do our pick a fight, which we're going to talk a little bit about the upcoming Nakmoy Ying bouts are coming up on the entertainment shows, specifically Super Champ and Muay Thai Hardcore, or Muay Hardcore, which is a new show on Channel 8 out here in Thailand. It's every Saturday night. The 
Channel 8 is one of the first shows that is regularly, at least for now, putting on female ballots. So this might be a very, very good gateway for other promotions to have female bouts. Right now they have almost every weekend in the month of November having female bouts. So November 9th is Nambutor Tepsutin versus Kalista Parts. Uh, that's at Moy Hardcore, which is a three-round bout, uh, three minutes with small gloves, so MMA-style gloves, but Muay Thai rules. Then November 10th in Super Champ are two female fighters, Saw Sing, uh, Sip Saw, uh, the famed Saw Sing versus Marina Phuket Fight Club, which will be a great, great bout. Um, uh, on the 17th, Hong Yok Lek, uh, Liam Prasut is fighting Natalie Sin at 55 kilos. That's on Super Champ. Um, Moy Hardcore is seeing Rung Napa Por Mung Pet versus Angela Chang, uh, on the 23rd. And then on the 24th is Guan Chai Por Mung Pet versus Jasmine King Grang Muay Thai, and that's at 51 kilos on Super Champ. So, a lot of well known Nak Muay Ying that are based out here in Thailand having public shows on TV. So, it's looking really, really bright. Hopefully, the fighters are getting paid <clears throat> about the same as the males as well, which those shows pay between about 10 to 20k there's no bonuses in those shows I, I believe there might be some stitch bonuses but there's not an excitement bonus like there is at some of the other entertainment shows like at max Muay time so the first show uh nongbu tour tepsu tin versus kalista parts november 9th at 55 kilos you have to go with Nong Bu for this one. Just feel like she's a bit more experienced. She's fighting regularly out of Chiang Mai. She's a little bit protected in a lot of her bouts. Uh, she did recently fight Wonder Girl, but that was back maybe six months ago. Wonder Girl smashed her up in the first round and knocked out Nong Bu. Uh, Nong Bu has successfully defeated. Becca Irwin before that was one on points a little bit of a contested decision but Nongbu took it uh, Kalisa Parts if my information or my memory serves me correctly is half Thai half Estonian um, she's been out here for a while don't think she's super regular but again now that there's opportunities to fight on these entertainment shows we might see more and more females sort of stepping up and getting to this level so very excited for that and so that wraps up our episode for this week we'll be back next week uh with a new series um we're gonna go over a promotion that kieran kettle is throwing muay thai world cup so we're actually going to be doing weekly installments leading up to that promotion which is at the end of November. So again, if you'd like to reach me, you can follow me on Instagram, mattlucasbkk, or email me at a.mattlucas at gmail.com. I also have a website, www.matt.lucas.com.
lucascom uh, Thanks to all the people that have supported me. I always appreciate it. This has been On Fighting in Thailand, the best news and analysis covering the em- economics and infrastructure of Muay Thai. I'm Matt Lucas, journalist, commentator, and ex-Muay Thai fighter. Make stronger fighters, make stronger people.